This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Series XM Channel 132. I'm Dr. Dawn Graham. I am your host for the next hour, and we are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern at 844-942-7866. I'm the career director for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. We are here with Dana and Dion, who make this show sound fantastic every single week, and we are live in studio if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 8 844-942-7866. And we have a fabulous guest today. So if you have any career and job search questions, today is the day to give us a call right now. 844-942-7866. But first, what's going on in the news? So interestingly, We've heard a lot about people returning to the office and some companies trying to do the remote thing and some companies doing some type of hybrid arrangement where employees come back maybe two days a week. But what are the implications of all of this? Well, research by MIT indicates that remote workers may end up getting lower performance evaluations, smaller raises, and fewer promotions than their colleagues in the office. Why? It's kind of the the out of sight, out of mind, this passive FaceTime, um, because remote workers will just suffer from the sheer fact that they're not being seen. And those who are in the office seen working and um, they're in their regular hours are going to appear more committed than their counterparts at home. Now, what do you think of this research? Do you have you had experience working remotely pre pandemic? Have you experienced this? Do you think that it does impact your ability to get promoted, get on the the great projects, or even just get information that is being passed around informally in the office, which could certainly help your career. What are your thoughts? I know a lot of people want to do some type of hybrid arrangement, but will it impact your future career success? We want to hear from you. 844-942-7866. Let us know what you're thinking and what your company is doing to make this work. 844-942-7866. This is Dr. Dawn on careers. And we are taking your career questions and job search questions all hour. And to help us with that, we have a fantastic guest. I'm so excited that he is on the show. Mark Anthony Dyson is the founder of the award-winning blog and podcast, The Voice of Job Seekers, a prolific writer, speaker, and podcaster. Mark is always hacking and reimagining the modern job search. He is the author of the ebook. 421 Modern Job Search Tips 2021 and has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, NPR, LinkedIn, and many, many other places. He was recognized as one of JobScan's top job search experts, and we are so excited to be speaking with him today. Welcome to the show, Mark. 
Well, thank you for having me. I, I, I'm really going to find a lot of fun in this. Well, I think I could spend most of the show talking about all of your awards and achievements. I mean, I just go to your webpage and I was like, wow, how do I even distill this down? But the benefit, of course, is to our listeners who are many of them in a job search, many of them contemplating their career post-pandemic, many of them thinking maybe this is a good time to make a switch, and, and many others who maybe were impacted by the pandemic and still looking to get back into the job search. So first off, congratulations on all of your success. And what I love about you, Mark, is that you have a mission. You know, you, you a lot of a lot of people out there with a business, you know, they don't really have a, a formed mission. And I love that you say I hack and reimagine the job search process. So what does that mean exactly? And how does that benefit your clients? I well, uh, these days, I don't do a lot of client work except through uh, the little secret uh, uh, job club that I have in my uh, newsletter uh, that I do every summer for about four months, and I help people uh, through group mostly, and then there's some one-on-one that I do. But uh, uh, when I did take clients, what often is most important is be able to parse the chaff from the weeds so to speak. In other words, you want to get the best, you want to know what the worst is, and even what people think is the best is not always the best to present to that particular employer. And people don't normally single out their opportunities to specific employers. In fact, many of them don't do what we often suggest is to have a target list and uh, get companies and try to find insiders in that company and get the referral and get hired is the most uh, likely uh, successful situation that you could possibly be in. Most people are spraying and praying and thinking that the numbers came from 1999 when CareerBuilder and Monster were around, and it was a valid game that you could play. These days, not so much. The person you know and the people you get to know over time are going to be your best referrals, even if they're not directly involved. In other words, people who are second and third connections as well. You even look at LinkedIn or maybe people who know someone who can introduce you to someone that can introduce you to someone else. It's likely where the gold is. So uh, once you get uh, past a lot of that a lot, and people are willing to be uh, patient and resilient and persevere, they can get through it. And, and if they're working over time, as I always say, job search is a lifestyle. It's not something uh, that's seasonal. You don't want it to be seasonal. Um, you want it to be active and dynamic and something that's going to be ongoing, like you've talked about in your book. So uh, I think people uh, get the most out of it and get most out of coaching when there's a coach or at least someone facilitating a direction that helps them go deep and be able to use uh, a few materials or a few strategies to help them go deep and get down to with someone. It's funny because you're right. That obviously, 20 years ago, the online job search was was the way to go. It was new. It was you know slightly easier because you didn't have to mail your resume in, and and you know not everybody was doing it, so you stood out a little. But the funny thing is, is that you know for the last 10 years, we have heard all of these these big companies saying, "Hey, you know, post with us. We can get you thousands of resumes and and all of this." But I think what the challenge has become now, Mark, is now I, saw, I just saw an advertisement for a company that's 
says, do you get thousands of resumes? Let us help you narrow this down. But that is the problem, right? That's exactly what happened. We, we, we made it so easy to apply to jobs that everybody applies because it's a one-click process thinking that, hey, you know, I've got a good shot at this. But then the employer on the other side is thinking, I can't possibly go through thousands of resumes. So I have to create a way to narrow those down, which unfortunately weeds out a lot of people who are probably qualified. And in the end, the, the process isn't working any longer. And I think that's what people need to realize is that that may have worked once and it did. But now, not so much, right? Can you believe it's 2021 and for the last, as far as I can remember, the last 11, 12, 13 years, we've been saying that the, that the job board game is over as far as getting success and that only limited number of jobs are actually on job boards and the way that people actually find the jobs of their dreams is really through other people and people who know other people that have it and but people don't like it's a lot of work it's some work and some work over a period of time to be able to do that and there are some people that are good at it, but most people aren't. They're willing to still risk and play the numbers game, which is really odd. And 11 years later, we've, we've been crying, you know, don't do that, don't do that. People are still doing that and passing it on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give people the benefit of the doubt for for just a second because I think I think the challenge people have is that the the job search that we talk about around networking and using your second level contacts and building building a group of people who can help you get insight into those companies who are hiring for what you do people find that very ambiguous and you're right they don't know how to do it and it seems so much easier and straightforward to say okay upload resume upload cover letter click send and I'm done and and so I think people who even want to do the networking route and recognize its value are struggling because they they think I don't even know how to start this there there's there's no there's no path well when they when people are waiting for other people to get back with them and say hey could you help me uh, get in contact with this person a lot of times it takes a couple of days Sometimes it takes a few weeks, and inside that person's head, they're thinking, well, by that amount of time I'm waiting, I can apply to these 50, 100 jobs online, and I might have a better shot, instead of following up with the person who actually might be busy and might be able to contact that person right away. But the the networking part is more work, it is, it is more time-consuming, it takes some perseverance, it takes some resilience. But the online job thing is very easy. It's it's versus having faith versus not having faith. And by not having faith, you can do the things that are very easy, very quick to do because you want results right now. But having faith is putting that faith to work and doing it, doing that particular process over and over again. That takes more time and more personal involvement in space. It does. It does. And I want to get into the the kind of details about how to do that. And if you're struggling with this, give us a call, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we're live, Sirius XM 132. This is Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're so excited to have Mark Anthony Dyson here, who is a job seeker advocate and founder of the award-winning blog and podcast, The Voice of Job Seekers, and author of the ebook, 421 Modern Job Search Tips 2021. So 
So if you're in a job search or you're applying online and you're not getting any traction, we want to hear from you, 844-942-7866. And something that's interesting, Mark, and I'm just going to, you know, kind of lift the curtain because I think it's really demoralizing to apply to a lot of jobs and not get a response. But what I'm hearing from many people I'm connected with in the industry, including job seekers, is that companies um, right now are moving people around more than they're hiring, meaning that a lot of the jobs that are posted are actually almost pre-filled. They have an identified candidate. You know, they may put it up there because they need to go through the legal steps, but they really already know who they're going to hire. And the bummer about this is that you may be great and you may be qualified, but you probably don't have a shot. And worse, a lot of these companies will still do a pre-interview because they have to check that box. So you're feeling like, wow, I did great on the interview. This is going to go well, only to you know, lose to the internal candidate, which you really had no shot in the first place. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and I think what's even sadder now is that you don't get to see a person uh, for the most part. And a lot of institutions and businesses have implemented the video interview uh, part of it, in which where that first they may have like a phone interview where they'll tell they're being told what to do next which really isn't an interview but they count it as an interview then you get to go do a video interview which is basically uh, automated as AI driven so they're going to go and they'll get a, a email saying that hey you know, um, this is what you do the next. Do it soon so that we can uh, sure to put you up as uh, and compare you to other candidates. Blah blah blah. So this person will go. They'll go do the video the video interview uh, without having talked to anyone. They just follow the instructions. They may get some practice sessions, and then they're face to face with an avatar. And they answer whatever questions that are involved, and then they go ahead and after they're done, they close it out. They get make they may get an automated email saying thank you for participating, blah blah blah. But after that, there's often silence, and many times companies are rejecting them very easily at that point, and they haven't. And so a job seeker feels like, hey, wait a second, I feel like I got I didn't get a chance to really present myself. I just answered some questions to a machine. And this that's even more demoralizing. And it could, uh, it could, I could see why a few people may feel like, man, I, I, I can't take this after going through that a few times. Yeah, I have to say, I'm gonna, you know, I have, I definitely have opinions. Dion knows I have opinions, but I definitely mm-hmm. have a strong opinion on the one-way video interview. And anybody who's done that out there, um, which is essentially, as Mark was explaining, you you get a, a link and you you have to record your answers, and the recorded answers goes where I don't know how they protect your privacy. I mean, are they storing this on their system? That's a big concern for me. The fact that not all of us are very comfortable in front of the video camera and, um, you know, just don't present ourselves the best from that medium. Or maybe you don't have the right equipment at home. I mean, not everybody has a studio set up so you can right. have some technical difficulties, which, you know, should not be factored into, into any of these decisions. But we're humans and humans are biased and how can it not be? So I have to say, not a fan of the one-way video. Um, I've never done one, but I've had clients who've done them. And not only is it, is it, 
you know, really feels demoralizing, but it also takes a lot longer because if you do have the opportunity to redo your answer, you know, something that could have been a 20 minute, 25 minute phone call now takes three hours because you're redoing it. And you're like, oh, I don't like how my face looked or oh, I don't like that. I said, right. um, too many times. Yeah. Some of them give a time limit as to how much time you can actually take. They'll give you some practice rounds, but then you're timed in giving the answer. And so, you know, you say you have three minutes or two minutes to get this answer. When you're used to elaborating it, you're trying to tell yourself, relax, relax. But in the meantime, that clock is ticking. And for a lot of people who are not prepared to do video interviews, it takes you about a half a minute to really get rolling with the right, the answers that are going to make sense to the employer, so you think. But ultimately, yeah, people, they want you to turn it on and turn it off very quickly, which is very unfair, especially if you're not used to the camera and much less used to uh, talking to an avatar. Yeah, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Mark Anthony Dyson, who is a career expert and founder of The Voice of Job Seekers, here today answering all your career questions. Hey, I would love to hear from from um, a recruiter or a company who uses the video interview, and I'd love to hear what happens on the other side. So if you're listening and you've done that, uh, you're, you know, your job is to sit there and review those videos and store them and organize them and where they go and who watches them and you know is this is this something that everybody gets into the conference room on a Friday and goes through them what is this 844-942-7866 or if you've done a video one-way video interview as a candidate we'd love to hear about your experience with that 844-942-7866 if it's Thursday noon Eastern we are live right now on Sirius XM 1 32. So, Mark, you say you said something earlier, and I know you also have this in your LinkedIn profile, and I thought it's such a great line that that um, the job search is a lifestyle now. And I want to elaborate on that because I, I think that is so profound, and I think we all need to kind of look at it that way. It's not something that you do every five years anymore. Um, it's it's something that you kind of have to think about all the time. So, so what does that mean to you? Well, for me, it, it was funny because I, I, you know, whether it was a revelation from God or from the Blues Brothers movie, I thought that in writing, uh, wrote a post where that just came out. And it, it was something that I truly believed that at that particular point now, that job search is a part of, has to be a part of our lifestyle. It, into if it's done right, it's interwoven in every interaction, every way we need to think about our lives and our life's plans and our life's plans going forward. All these things and the, and the things that we have available to do that are right there. Our phone is a very powerful computer, and it we can do all of the training we want through that phone. People are taking college courses right now through using their phone only. There are people who are writing books on their phone only. So 
everything it's a it's a utility knife so to speak it can speak to everything that you possibly can need in order for you to develop your career so you know while you're waiting in line while you're waiting for someone while you're waiting in the doctor's office you could be developing your career and it's it would behoove you to do so because that's what the competition is doing now the competition uh, for mostly everybody, since it's so thick, is either it's either hard because there's too few jobs, or because there's so many people who are looking for jobs. There's plenty of jobs. There's now a lot of competition. So either way, you have to be diligent in building that career layer by layer. Maybe you need to take small steps, which is okay. It's okay to go ahead and and look for uh, different ways to build. Maybe it may need to be through YouTube or taking a Udemy course or taking a Wharton Business course online, whatever it takes, or listening to a podcast. Whatever that tool is, you're adding small little layers, and eventually that builds the right kind of uh, uh, ammunition and things you need to build a career that's going to last you and and keep a steady stream of uh, opportunities coming to you. So let's talk about this idea of planting seeds, because I think this is what you're talking about, Mark, and I love this idea um, around you need to be thinking about this all the time. So even if you're in a job right now and you have no plans to leave, the the idea of taking a, a course online or or meeting new people or maybe taking a leadership role in your community in some form or fashion. A lot of people don't think about that as, as career development per se, but it really is because it's expanding your network, it's expanding your knowledge. Anytime you're learning, whether it's reading a book outside of your specialty or you know maybe you attend an event with your spouse that's in a different industry, you're learning things that help you put, put new information together and make new connections. And I think it just about being intentional about looking at these as opportunities versus just, you know, all right, I'm going to tag along with my spouse and (laughs) eat the appetizers but not pay attention. Right, right, yeah. It is uh, planting seeds, and what makes it grow is your curiosity. Your curiosity is the water to making those seeds grow. So you have to wonder when you're hearing murmurs about something changing your industry, you have to kind of wonder what that is and and why are people certain people moving so you know we hear the advice all the time in the career space about you know for people who are involved in their industry associations and organizations you get to see firsthand people moving and you get to find out why so if you're even if you are involved once a quarter and that kind of thing and you're hearing about people moving, that should concern you that people are also moving past you if you're not as curious. So I think that people can use that curiosity to start at least venturing out. If you if you find that something's not for you, you have time to change. What would you rather do? Try to try to get the pulse of the industry. What it's going to like two years from now when you may need to change, or find out when you're finding that your company's handing exit letters. So I think everybody prefers to kind of be ahead of the curve. In fact, if you're not participating in building small layers uh, during any course of a year, you're kind of light years out of the game. 
and it takes a while, just like the sedentary person who is, you know, hasn't had any activity at all. It takes them a while to get motivated to get going. They may get going, but it's took, taking them a while. When you talk about job search and being sedentary in that sense, you're talking about somebody who's possibly not going to have their bills paid and and, and to go forward. Um, we could talk about the other financial things, where you should have money saved and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, most people, you know, it takes them a while to get that job search going. But if you built, have built layers throughout, you're ready to go as soon as you hear rumors. It may not even apply to you, but at least you're ready. And it gives you the freedom, I think, that if you decide you want to make a change, you've already kind of laid that foundation. And and sometimes you're right. We don't get that choice. Companies, industries change and, and our our employment status changes. But if even if that's not the case, having those options, it feels you know, like like a like a good thing because you, you you're like, well, I'm not stuck. And I think feeling stuck is the worst feeling in the world for many, many people. And so just that idea of I can make a move if I wanted to is something that I think brings a lot of peace to people in in, you know, the employment situation. Hey, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Have you heard MIT is doing some research around what's happening as we return to to the office and they're finding that remote workers may end up getting lower performance evaluations, smaller raises and fewer promotions than their colleagues in the office due to the simple out of sight, out of mind. And certainly the informal communication process that happens in the office, you're going to miss out on that if you're not in the meetings with other people. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking you're going to be working a hybrid situation? Are you worried about how that might impact your future at the company? Let us know. 844-942-7866. We are excited to be here with Mark Anthony Dyson, who is a career expert, and he is on a mission. He hacks and reimagines the job search process and loves helping unemployed, underemployed, and underappreciated find jobs and have people know Notice you. So if you're feeling like you want a little inspiration or even a little tactical knowledge around your resume, LinkedIn, or your job search process, we want to hear from you. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. And I don't know how the time has flown, Dion, but I think it's time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? There is a quiz, and it has to do with movies, and I know, Dion, you and I seem to have a different library when it comes to movies, <laughs> although I would, vent- I would venture to say that everybody has seen Star Wars except for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm okay with it. I know, but so I'm wondering if it's if it's me or if it's you. And I'm it's just- not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here it is. What do the movies, Silence of the Lambs, which you've had to have seen. Seen that. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, you know, starring Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. And the movie The Burbs with Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher. Now, you probably haven't seen that one. No. It's a, it's a cult I almost, classic. I almost thought you said The Birds. No, no, the, no. The Alfred, Alfred <laughs> Not Hitchcock Alfred movie. Hitchcock. Have I have you, seen that. You've yeah. seen that? I saw both oh, of them. Uh, really? Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, that's not the movie, but <laughs> but I'm glad you've seen it. So, The Burbs, 
80s movie, Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, and Silence of the Lambs. They have something in common. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. If you want to find out what's up and coming on the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham because we're always posting about our exciting guests and topics. So if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, guess what? We are live in studio at 844-942-7866. And I think we just have to get the torture over with and <laughs> Dion. Oh, boy. I know. So I'm glad you saw Silence of the Lambs. So it gives you at least a little bit of a clue. But <laughs> what, sure it does. Yeah, well. <laughs> what does that have in common with the movie The Burbs, which stars Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher and Bruce Dern? I mean, there's a lot of famous people. Corey Feldman is, I mean, there's these are. You were a big Corey, Corey Feldman no, fan, No, no, no. No, I you wasn't. You weren't a, no. a, a fan of the Corys? I no, I wasn't because I was. Don't forget, I was a hairband fanatic. Uh, so they yeah. were. They yeah, maybe that, were a little yeah, too preppy for yeah, me. That, that's not. That's not the same person. Yeah. No. So <laughs> I, I would. I mean, I, I I love the movies. You know that I've never seen the movies. They've been in a lot of movies together. Yeah, yeah, License to Drive. They've no. been in. Uh, um, oh, what was that vampire movie with Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, I'm sure I didn't see that either. No, you had Lost Boys. You had to see no, Lost Boys. Didn't see that either. What were you doing in the 80s, Dion? Well, I mean, I was in... Learning to walk. Exactly. I mean, I was in the 80s for, what, six years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, these two movies, they were set in the same place, like city, suburb of city in Virginia, I think. In Virginia, because I think it was, I think Silence of the Lambs oh, was, in, was in Virginia because of the FBI, yeah, because of Quantico, yeah, yeah, no, oh, but but okay, I see your logic, <laughs> I see your logic, it makes sense. If you haven't seen the Burbs, this is gonna be a hard one. Dana, have you seen the Burbs? I'm, I'm gonna guess no. I haven't seen either of these movies. Oh my god! So than I am. One of my guess was gonna be I... that they take place in the same place, so we are just striking out here. Look, me and Dana, I feel like we should get a we should, we should get a ding, just just because we we had the same answer, uh, and, and we and we haven't talked. Is this a new thing? After six years, you guys are gonna have a ding because you have the same answer. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say thumbs down on that, but but okay, um, Mark, you don't have to play if you don't want to. But do you, do you, have you seen the Burbs? Have you seen at least Silence of the Lambs? Dana, Dana, I, I have to. <laughs> Both those movies are a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, they are. All right, fair. I'm. I have a wild guess. All right, but uh, now that you just called me old, but I feel like he's. he's, He's probably no, going to be right I'm for some old. reason. <laughs> you just you basically just called me out on air. <laughs> oh wow! I'm going to guess both movies had something to do with the basement but other than that that Ooh. would be it yeah no that that is that is 
that is true. Um, <laughs> there was a basement in both movies. I love when you try to spin. <laughs> I mean, the plot was, the plot was surrounding what was going on in a basement, but I don't think that would be particularly it. Though. No, it wasn't it, but that I will. I think that deserves a ding, Dion, because that's at least a true statement. <laughs> and it goes with your type of answer, where it's just like something random. No, this isn't random. This is actually, this is, this is true. Um well, they're always true. That doesn't mean it's not random. No, they're not always like like there's there's sometimes more than one answer. You know, you well, hate. Yeah, there's that. But this is yeah. So, okay. Well, here it is. It's Darla. Now, who is Darla? Darla is a toy poodle who played Queenie in The Burbs, and she played Buffalo Bill's small white dog in The Silence of the Lambs. Who would have and that's not random. I mean, Buffalo Bill's dog. All right, what's, really? I, I was going to give you another shot, Dion. What was the dog's name in Silence of the Lambs? Uh, come on, he says it all the time. I remember him saying it puts the lotion on its skin. I remember the name of the, <laughs> the name of the dog. Uh, uh, all right, Mark. Come on. Yes. What's that? <laughs> Mark's like, Mark's like. I thought we were talking about careers here. I'll give yeah. you another hint. Um, Gollum says it a lot in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, never saw that. Oh my god! I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. Oh my so. gosh! I feel like the same people that saw Star Wars saw that, and I'm not either of those people. All right. Well, you know, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I live a life that like nobody understands. No, look, look. <laughs> I know that most people have seen these movies. I know I'm different. It's just what it is. Yeah, but between you, you, Mark, and Dana, I'm the eyeball out here. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> oh, well. Well, the dog's name was Precious. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. See? see? <laughs> All right. All right. I guess you should just get back to career stuff because I'm... I'm th- you're, you're striking out here. Yeah, this is not going anywhere good. <laughs> 844-942-7866. You can always count on us for fun trivia, which we, we loosely tie to the career topic by saying if you're looking for interesting conversations in your networking maybe you can use this but don't don't <laughs> <laughs> so we are so excited to be here with mark anthony dyson who is a career expert he is founder of the award-winning blog and podcast the voice of job seekers prolific writer speaker and podcaster mark is on a mission to hack and reimagine the modern job search and mark where can people follow you read your articles see your podcast and all of that good stuff after the show uh, the Voice of Job Seekers is a great place, thevoiceofjobseekers.com. Uh, also, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I'm there hanging out um, a lot. <laughs> yes, you are. So. Yes, you are. You do LinkedIn LinkedIn Live, so you are there a lot. Um, definitely you want to follow Mark if you're in a job search or if you just want to create some career insurance around your long-term career. 844-942-7866. What do you think about returning to the office? And is it going to create a situation where people in the office get more raises, promotions, and more projects because they are in the office versus being remote. What do you think? 844-942-7866. So, of course, since we're doing this show in Philadelphia, Mark, I have to I have to look at one of your articles that said, channel your inner Rocky to land the job. 
Wow, <laughs> that was a long time ago, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, I know. I, I, I was going to ask Dion if he actually saw that movie. <laughs> of course I saw Rocky. Oh, well, of course. I, mean, I, I, I tapped out, you know, around Rocky Balboa. <laughs> that wasn't that good. Five wasn't great either. See, okay. See, this is why D. I, this is why D and I. We just have, really don't know each other. Like, I just, I don't know who you are. How you can know that much about Rocky, but not about Silence of the Lambs? Because Rocky was a better movie. No, <laughs> no, no. I know I'm ticking off a lot of people in Philly right now. But <laughs> it's gonna be a riot outside. I know. Outside the studio. We we digress. We digress. So so tell us about how you should train as if you're in a boxing match, Mark, for your job search. Yes. Well, I think the. the Probably the key these days is that uh, a lot of punches are going to be thrown at you in the form of silence, and you've got to be willing to weather those punches and avoid them if you possibly can, but at least endure and push through them. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, I think there was a, a, a time when, well, at least the thrill in Manila where, uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman were fighting in that particular sense in, in the way that they were, uh, George Foreman was trying to throw all the punches he possibly can, and uh, Muhammad Ali baited him until he got worn down, and then he was able to beat him in the eighth round. And I think a lot of times uh, job seekers should be able to take those punches, but some, you've got to avoid them too and avoid getting hit, and sometimes those hits are in forms of silence, so it's not the fact that you're getting rejection, but the silence is rejection if you're not getting anything going on at all. So, you know, if you're active, you can actually uh, bait uh, employers, uh, you know, through your network, as we talked about before, and, and being active and digging deep, and uh, uh, that way you can, you know, come out on the other side. I love it. I love it. I love the energy that 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 um, analogy creates that, you know, you're, you're kind of moving, you're you're working it and ducking and all that stuff, because I do think that's a lot of what the job search is. Let's face it. You like just like you will in a boxing match, you're probably going to get hit. And in a job search, you're probably going to get rejected. Things aren't going to go well. And you have to kind of expect all of that, yet be able to dust yourself off and get up and get back in there for another round. And I think that's what makes the job search so difficult and so draining is that you have to be ready for that. But sometimes when you set your expectations to know that that's going to be part of the the race or part of the situation, that can really, really change your perspective. So I, I loved that analogy. And I think uh, we need to go to a mailbag. Dana, I think we have a mailbag. You've got mail. Yes. Uh, Nolan in Connecticut says, Dear Dr. Don, I'm really struggling here. As an older worker, 61, I feel like I can't catch a break in the job search. While I'm highly skilled in operations and supply chain, active in nonprofit boards, and have a history of continuous education, I feel like I continue to get passed over for younger candidates. Having managed my money well, I'm pretty flexible in compensation. So what am I doing wrong? Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Thank you, Dana. So, um, so just to kind of recap, Nolan is an older job worker, and it sounds like experience, uh, experiencing some maybe age bias in the job search. And it's interesting because even though he's willing to take less money or maybe even a job that's that's at a lower level, not getting any love from the employers. Mark, Mark, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, um, I would probably would want to know some of his activity and what he's been doing where he feels like he's not catching a break. That would be an interesting conversation. But more than likely, if you've been in the field a long time, um, at 60, I think part of the challenge is some of the people you may know may have retired or may have moved on from their lives. So when you're not feeding, if you're not feeding the networking machine, uh, you're not getting to know a lot of people. So he may feel like he's doing it alone. And I know a lot of uh, older people who do it alone. And you just can't do it alone. And there's ways that you can reach out to your network and make it and help it and feed it in such a way that it actually will work for you. But I think in, in certain uh, industries, and every industry has its own character, I think. There are some that work through a lot of networking. Some people just get the job because that they have the skill that the employer needs. That's where a lot of the sweet spot will have to come in as well, is you knowing what the employer needs. I say try to be the prescription to the employer's job description. And you have to be really keen and really uh, understand what you're looking at and what they're asking for and ask yourself, can you really fulfill those needs? And then if you don't, you can't be too dormant and trying to get what you need to at least know what the industry needs for you to get hired again. Yeah, I love it. Be the prescription to the job description. I love stuff like that. So so in Nolan's case, um, because I think a lot of people do this, you know, we as as people who are experienced in the workforce really get to know what we like to do and what we don't like to do. And some people really like doing the roll up your sleeves tactical and they don't want to move on to become a director or a VP and, and kind of get out of the day to day. And so maybe Nolan wants to do sort of the 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 manager level job, even though he's qualified to do a director level job and willing to take the money that is appropriate for that. But how can somebody convince an employer who's going to be biased that, oh, you're going to get bored or you're going to leave us from for a place that pays you more or whatever. How can they convince them that, no, you know what? I've spent 40 years working. I know what I love to do. And this is it. And I, I you know, this is what I want to do, even though I could do a lot more. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that uh, he could possibly do um, in depending upon if his uh, work requires an apprenticeship, is try to be a mentor to some of the up-and-comers who are, are likely to get those jobs so that you can go back and say, hey, I've trained X, Y, and Z who've moved on here, and also be a resource as, as far as, uh, you know, to the younger and to people who – you know, who are looking for those skills but may need some direction of, of some sort. But if you're a resource and you're the one that's training a lot of these people, uh, especially uh, the younger people, then you can make a case that you're teaching them what is most relevant and that you could be useful in some kind of way. I've seen that actually happen. And, in fact, this person, in fact, they were beginning to ask this person because he had some technical knowledge, and he was up on some of the some of the uh, most relevant skills that were needed. They asked him to train on a contract basis, and he was able to get a contract, got a great contract, and then eventually he became a part of their staff. And I think that if you're a resource and you have something to leverage, 
then you can make a case to other employers. At least uh, reach out to uh, individual employers or, or work your way through those second and third contacts that we talked about and to get those introductions that could make a, a, a difference in, in, in a company's well-being. Yeah, I think there's two really important things there that you said, Mark. The first one being that obviously your network. You're, if you have a an insider saying to the hiring manager, you know, that hey, look, I know this person. This person certainly can do a lot more, but this is where their heart is. This is where their passion is, and they're going to come in and do a great job. That can be incredibly helpful. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, of course, I don't have that because, duh, I would use it. But that's exactly what you've been talking about is is building that and it does take time and it does take investment and you do you do need to do it consistently and um you know, not just when you need a job, but when you are in in a career and things are going swimmingly. So I do think that is is part of the message you're you're saying when you talk about job search as a lifestyle. And I think the other thing that's really important of what, what you said, Mark, is doing things that other people aren't doing. So maybe it is looking at a contract job or a temporary job that you can get your foot in the door, which in my opinion is the hardest part of the job search, is even to just right. get a conversation with somebody who's a decision maker. And even if it's a two-week gig or two-month gig, you are basically setting yourself up for a trial where they can see you shine, you can build relationships, you can see what other opportunities are in the company. So so even though I know that's not what a lot of people want as the ultimate goal, doing that, because other people are probably not doing it, is going to be putting you at the front of the line when they are ready to hire someone. Yeah, I think what you said, relationships, and that's where a lot of people uh, tend to fall off. And and relationships do take time. They take an investment, and it takes a certain amount of personal investment. When you are able to show that you have come, other than professional commonalities, but those times when there is a little small talk and there is something that you like about someone and that maybe there's something you look forward to about someone, uh, you can create that. And again, it doesn't have to be a creepy stalking kind of thing. But again, over time, if you're building lots of those, um, you know, a few of those will emerge to be kind of personal and they'll think of you first because they like you and that you've exerted some personality along the way and that you've been helpful, that you've been a resource. All those things add up positively. Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live right now in studio at 844-942-7866. Nolan in Connecticut, I want to thank you for your mailbag question. Of course, if you have one, you can send it to me on social media. We are here with Mark Anthony Dyson, who is a career expert, talking all about how to advocate for job seekers. And there's something you write about, Mark, that um, that I love, and it's called social proof. And it's kind of this idea that that you know you're out there, maybe on social media, or, you know, maybe you blog, maybe you do videos, maybe you comment on others, or in certain groups where there are industry leaders in in your area. But I do think this has become a really important thing, and it it kind of pains. Me me to think now there's yet one more thing job seekers need to do to get ahead of the competition. But unfortunately, this is the age we live in and employers want to know that you're you're 
you know, a thought leader in your industry and that you have a passion for your industry. And the way we often show this is what we do online. So can you talk more about how people can use that social proof as a way to really get ahead in the job search? Well, there's nothing that proves your expertise and your abilities more is that you're able to go deep about it over a period of time. Uh, I'll take my writing, for instance. Uh, I've amassed probably over 700 articles at this particular point. People don't have any problem finding me. I don't have any problem showing on those first couple of pages of Google. I mean, people find me and even find things I've written 10 years ago. Just what you mentioned about channeling your inner Rocky, I wrote that years ago. I've forgotten about that first <laughs> But uh, all that to say is that if you have that kind of knowledge, you know, I thought it was a no-brainer at the time that if I'm creating something that it has meaning that you know that the core of it's not going to change, like networking has been around forever. Uh, Dale Carnegie wrote a book about it, uh, you know, two, three, four generations ago, and we're still talking about it. I mean, those are things that people will ultimately find. And now that we're in an age where, you know, Googling and, and researching is a regular, whether you're a novice or you're a professional or you're a consultant, that's something that lasts forever. And, you know, people do things because they want the quick hit. They want to get known fast, and it it, it just takes time and effort. But, uh, you know, again, you're doing something that if it's going to be something somebody will find later, it's only going to add up and, and benefit, you, benefit you down the line. And you don't have to be the the um, you know premier <laughs> expert in the industry either. I think that's what prevents a lot of people from posting online is because they feel like, well, there's people who know more about this than me. And there's always going to be people who know more about it than you. But I feel like, especially for career switchers, the the ability to post online, get involved in active groups on places like LinkedIn, the ability to, depending on your profession, make YouTube videos. It's 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 an opportunity that we didn't have 20 years ago. And unfortunately, because the competition is what it is these days, we don't have the luxury of, of not participating in some way. And I'm not saying you have to spend your life on every social media platform. And I, I my personal philosophy is pick two that you you're really, um, you know, interested in, dedicated to, and where your followers or your audience would be. So, you know, for for many, that would be LinkedIn and maybe something else. But, you know, and, and really invest in it. Yeah, I think, you know, I started writing online when I was 49 years old. 49. That doesn't help us because we don't know how old you are now. But Well, I, 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 am, <laughs> I, I, am, I am 60. That, that's a I'm, lie. You can't I'm, be. I am 60 years old. Uh, you know, I was, I'm a pure baby boomer, the last of the baby boomers. Uh, all that to say is that people think that age has something to do with it when age really doesn't have anything to do with it. And it's easy to check me, right? <laughs> you can go back and look at, my, I started the Voice of Job Seekers when I was 50 years old, July 13th. 2011 is when I start the Voice of Job Seekers. 
So you have my body of work there. I was writing online before then because I had a blog before then, and and I didn't like it. But I got a Twitter message that somebody read my article and said, thank you for being the voice of job seekers. I said, hmm. There it is. <laughs> I, I think that was it. And that at that moment, I remember getting the URL that same day and start to figure out, you know, what am I go what does that look like? And I start writing. And that's where and I haven't stopped writing since. And I I think I've always been a writer, but I had, I truly went after it at that moment. That I decided, hey, I can go in this direction. And yeah. it was told to me by somebody else. And I think that's the way people need to if, if people can just wrap their eyes around their arms and their head around one single thing uh whether it's going to be these days video could be the new blog in a sense and in a lot of ways it is um and to do that and do it consistently and uh be willing to engage with people and be able to put what they know out there and get the feedback and sometimes maybe you have to change your mind but it is a great journey to follow, and I've been truly fulfilled by it professionally like no other time. I love it. I love it. Great way to end the show. Find what works for you. Ignore the your the things out there that, that try to bring you down. It's not about age. It's not about your expertise. You find what works for you, and you do it. Mark Anthony Dyson, we are so excited to have had you on the show today. He is the founder and CEO of The Voice of Job Seekers. Look him up on LinkedIn and definitely follow him. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, thank you to Dion and Dana and all of our listeners. We are here for you live every Thursday at noon Eastern to take all of your job search and career questions on Sirius XM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. If you want more information about me, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. We've loved being with you this week and we will see you next time. from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.